0: It's time for the percolator. 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 It's time for the
1: percolator. You are listening to the Morning Perks podcast with me, your host, Bill Clements. Join us as we hear from some of the industry's biggest management and supplier leaders with insights into trends, best practices, and how to get the most out of your GCAA membership. Welcome. To Morning Perks. Let's go.
0: It's time for the percolator. It's time for the
1: Good morning and welcome to Morning Perks podcast. I'm your host, Bill Clements. We have a very special guest today. I think you're all going to be super happy. She is Dana Flaherty, regional sales manager with BGSF. She is also a current GCAA board member. And I didn't tell her I was going to say this. She's also a social media star. I think you probably know that already, but we're going to talk about that as well. Dana, how are you?
0: Good. How are you? Glad to be here. Are you excited? I am. I'm really excited.
1: Are you here to educate the people today?
0: Oh, I'm going to give them all the education. Let them know what's up.
1: I believe that's true. Uh, So you and I have a little topic we're going to talk about. We'll uh, tell the people what that is in a minute. I think it'll be beneficial to a lot of people. I'm excited about it. If you don't mind, can we start out? Can we talk a little bit of business? Can we talk about BGSF, how things are going, what your role is there, what the need is on the street?
0: So BGSF, we do staffing for apartment communities. We also do commercial real estate, but I'm over the multifamily division. So I oversee the Mid-Central portfolio. I have Texas, Tennessee, Alabama, Oklahoma, and they just gave me some other markets recently. So I oversee that territory. And you know, it's been, it's been interesting since COVID hit. It's like a different wave out there. It's slowed down a lot, I'll say. So, and every year we get less and less maintenance people. So it's been fun. It's been interesting. We've had to be very innovative this year.
1: But the challenges, I mean, we we always talk about COVID like it was yesterday and it's been a couple of years, but the challenges of COVID have not gone away at all
0: no and it's completely different you know and and after covid hit nobody could find good people at all and so they were hungry for good people and now it's kind of flipped a little bit where we have more people that are needing jobs and
1: yeah.
0: it's it i'm not going to say 2008 i'm not going to say that but it it i feel that more this year than i have in a long time
1: i think i agree with you on that so with your territory i mean you travel a good bit.
0: I do. I travel often. Yes. Every other week, sometimes.
1: Are there weeks that you're home and then weeks that you're gone a good bit?
0: There is. And, and like recently last month, I didn't travel much because I, I did though. Um, but I need it to catch up on my actual work. Right. But it, there's so much benefit for me being in the markets and getting my arms around my people and seeing them and, you know, just even having dinner and breaking bread with them. There's so much benefit. So I, I can't not travel, but um, sometimes I have to take a second because I've got to catch up.
1: I ask you that because, you know, i let you pick the topic for today. I think it's a fantastic topic, and that is the working parent. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us are the working parent. And I'll just start by saying this. You, we talk about the COVID thing, the, the benefit, I guess, if there was a benefit of COVID, and I think there were some benefits of COVID, I think we can look back and see that, We got more time with family, whatever. But the benefit of COVID was that you, for better or for worse, you didn't have to travel for work and you didn't have to go anywhere for work. You didn't have to leave the house for work for a while. So I do think that was a thing. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling about working parenting right about this minute?
0: You know, so I'm an introvert. So even at the time COVID happened, I was in the field, I would have to see 60 properties a week. And so when, when COVID hit, I was, I was due, I was due for a good break. And I was, I liked it, but then there gets a point where even me like working from home, the walls start closing in, you know, and I don't necessarily see the benefit in it Monday through Friday, especially not for me. Right. Um, and you can really isolate yourself if you're not careful, especially if you Instacart your groceries or DoorDash lunch, you know, it can get tricky. So going to my markets is challenging, especially being a working parent, but I need it. I need it. I need to go to association events in person. Um, But I am lucky because then I can work my kids' doctor's appointments and stuff like that, my own stuff around my working from home days.
1: There are multiple levels of being a working parent. There are a lot of single parents that have to work. They have to figure the childcare out. They have to figure all that stuff out you know, my wife and I, I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And there was a point that she was like, she has her own business. And she was like, am I, I I'm struggling because I feel like, and I don't feel like I'm guilty on my own necessarily, but I feel like society wants to make me feel guilty for liking my job. Like I like my work. I like what I do. I like what I do at work. And engaging other humans, but I love my children, but I don't really want to not work. And should I feel guilty about that? I'm like, no, I think if you derive, if you get your happy, if you get happiness from your vocation, from your work, I mean, I mean, a lot of people go to work to make the money so they can have a family. And that's always true regardless, but I don't think you should feel guilty for enjoying work and going out and doing work, even if you have kids.
0: Um, I love that you mentioned this a million percent and I get often people say, wow, where are your kids? You know, when they hear that I travel and stuff for work, how do you, you know, where are they at? And, and it being to a mom, there's always that society pressure of yeah. like, you're the mom, you got to kind of do it all, which is not fair and skewed, you know? Um, and, but then also, you know, I see like, so my best friend, she's a stay at home mom. And a big part of her identity is being a mother. She gets so much of her happiness from there. And I love my kids so much. And it doesn't take away anything that I have for them or any value that I'm bringing to their life. It's different than what she brings to their, her kid's life. But a big part of my identity is my job and me working makes me happy. I get a lot of fulfillment from it. I could not be a stay-at-home mother because I mean they're kudos, kudos, kudos to those, to those people. But I couldn't, I, I wouldn't feel fulfilled at the end of the day, you know? And right. that's okay. That is totally okay. And that's where you're you're not always going to be killing it at everything, but I think it's okay to want to do it all.
1: Yeah. And- I mean, I feel like I've heard people say there's two positions. There's if I had the the financial luxury of it or someone else around. I would just be a stay-at-home parent and I would be with my kids 24-7 and they would benefit from that and they would be so much better off. That's one. And two, I have to go to work because I have to make money to have my kids. And I don't think those are the only two answers. I think there are, you know, I have kids. I love my kids. I see the value in my children. I want to help them grow up to be great human beings. But also for me to be full so that I can be the best, human I can be for my children. I actually like my job. I, I like to go out into the workplace and build or create or do something and I, I shouldn't feel bad about it.
0: No, no. And and a lot of us do. And that's a big reason why I wanted to talk about this topic. I mean, and when I first started having kids is when Pinterest, the Pinterest era had started. So it was over the top birthday parties, homemaking, making your own baby food. Everything was we thought going back to like the homemakers of, you know, in a lot of old fashioned ways, which is great, but they never took away the working 40 hours a week from us, you know? And so I went through a phase where I tried to be that and wanted to fit into that. And I got to the point where I was like, you know, this is a mold that I have allowed myself to go into. And that's not me necessarily. And that's okay. I mean, my kids, teachers, I make jokes all the time. Like you know, I I won't be able to attend field trips, but I will, I will pay for the kids that can't afford to go. I, I got that, you know, and that's where, you know, I can't feel guilty anymore because I will say in, in the very beginning of their elementary years, I did feel very guilty.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, society does a really good job of making you feel guilty about a lot of things. Society and in 2023, social media, social media does a really good job of pressuring and guilting people.
0: Oh my gosh. In so many ways, in so many ways, because you'll see, I mean, you take five minutes to scroll and you're like, well, man, should I be doing an orange theory class Monday through Friday? I see her doing that. And yep. wow, like she's at NAA. How does she have the time to do that? I wish I could do that. You know, like all of these things and half of it's FOMO, but you know, it was funny and this is kind of off subject, with the same thing is I had a, um, a neighbor that we became friends and he was always going on his boat and doing all these fun things. And it, I, that's just not me. Like, I just am not that person to go, you know, do that and be with a group of people, like a large group of people every weekend. And I felt really guilty about it because I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not doing that. What's wrong with me? But all it was, was just me comparing me to him. And that's a lot of what social media is, you know, and you want to fit into a certain mold, look a certain way, be a certain, and you see these people that are doing it all and it can get in your head really easy
1: it really can and i always go back i always default to the whole quality over quantity thing mm-hmm. i think it works with everything and it 100% works with your children i will preface and say i am still guilty my phone does get in between me and my kids you know mm-hmm. so the other things still do i mean we are tired i mean we're human but i try to remember that what's most important for my kids is quality time with me, not the quantity of the time. So I'm not a stay at home dad. I can't be with them 24 seven. I'm going to be working. So the time that I'm going to spend with them is going to be quality. And I think children, their core memories are based on quality moments, not quantity moments.
0: Yeah. And I saw, um, there was a child therapist who said the biggest way to connection with your children is playing with them. Yep. And and that is that like, I can spend, I mean, my kids still, they're like, remember mom, when you got on the ground and we played doctor with you and all that stuff. I don't remember, you know, they remember. And that's the thing is if you can play with them and connect with them and be intentional about your time with them, even if it's 30 minutes, because some days at the end of the day, 30 minutes is all the energy I have to give to anybody and that's right. that's pushing it. So, but it's true. And I think that we think we have to be like so saturated in their lives to make an impact. And that's just not the case. It's
1: not. No, I agree with you. I do feel bad for the single parents though. This is my most prevalent memory of late. And that is one of the kids are sick and they can't go to school or they go to school and the school is like, ah, uh, your kid is covered in snot, you know, like watery eyes, come get your kid. Your kid can't stay here. Uh, And then you have to make a decision. I have the luxury. Elizabeth and I will be like, well, who's got the lighter schedule? Who's going to call it a day and take care of a child? I feel really bad for people who are a single parent and or have no choice but to go to work and they don't have relatives or another spouse to be like, flip a coin, is it going to be me or you? It's going to be that person. And they have to hope and pray that they have an employer. It's not going to go crazy on them because the school won't let the kids stay.
0: Yeah. And that's, that has been a struggle. Like, cause I don't have any family here. I have no family here and I'm a single parent. And and that's where I've had to accept the fact that I'm always going to be pulling, like some days I'm not going to be the employee I want to be because I have matters at home. And I have to say, okay, Danny, you're working for your family, but a big thing that has helped me with that is that when I am at work, I'm present and I show up and I bring value because you're always scared of that stigma you're going to get, you know, and, and, and it is what it is. I I remember like texting my boss over explaining, like showing her a picture from the doctor's office that said strep positive, you know, like, so she didn't think I was just making something up. And I just knew when I got back, I worked harder, showed up, didn't skip a beat because And and, and over time, as I've gotten older with my kids, you you learn to like, let it go and know that it's, you can only can control the controllables.
1: That's right. I will tell you, we were talking about COVID earlier. It was the thing that entertained me the most about COVID. Everything being virtual, video conferencing, whatever. It was hilarious to me when one of their children would make a noise or appear on camera and roam into a video feed. I thought it was awesome. I I think it, it humanized everyone. A great deal.
0: Mm -hmm. And now it's not a thing anymore. We're like, oh, okay.
1: Do you have any horror stories early on where your kids just made your work crazy?
0: Well, you know, it's funny. I don't have any horror stories, but you mentioned like TikTok. But what made me go viral on TikTok was during COVID, me working from home and saying like, you know, people say, Dana, how do you do it all? And I made this joke where I was saying how I had perfected the hard snap, where I'd put myself on mute and snap and be like, go away, go upstairs and throw incrustables at them. And it was so people loved it and it went viral. And that's kind of like where my TikTok thing started because I had to say, cause we're still trying to keep it together and I have ADHD and all of the things. So I get overstimulated on a dime and like having kids and everything you get where you're, you want to like pop, pop, you know, like your head's going to explode off. And so, that kind of I had to learn to deal with it. And I always make a joke like, I wish I had a panic room. I wish I could go into a panic room, no like crazy stuff. I didn't hear my kids stomping. I didn't hear them fighting. They weren't texting me like, "Hey, mom, the Wi-Fi isn't working. Why isn't my Xbox working?" You know. And you just get used to it. But that is kind of what got me on TikTok, which is funny.
1: Well, and it's so funny to me with the social media thing, and we keep talking about it. But the pressure to stage your photo with the perfect grass and perfect front of your house and the perfect outfits and the perfect sunlight for whatever it is that you're posting for the day. It's just the pressure to do that from a societal position is there. And yet the real people, they just want to see you soaking wet in a complete meltdown with food all over you, half strangling a toddler because something just went down. That's really what the people want. The people want the truth and some relief to see some reality for what mirrors their life on the daily.
0: A million percent. And that's why TikTok became, I mean, it started off with fun dances and stuff, but it became so explosive because you were watching real people. You had the opportunity to reach real people. And then, you know, Instagram kind of fell off in a lot of ways because everything was so staged and perfect and influencing and it, people are craving real connection with real people and they're craving to feel like they're not isolated on an Island. So then when they see somebody they relate to, it's like therapeutic. I mean, there's people that will comment and say, I needed this. This is healing to me. I come back and rewatch this video because they, they don't feel so alone.
1: That's right. I think we could, Officially call you an influencer on social media, couldn't we?
0: Yeah, it's kind of wild.
1: How many followers you got on the TikTok there, lady?
0: um I am over, I think I'm at 252,000.
1: You have a quarter of a million followers on TikTok?
0: I do. Mm -hmm.
1: And you quit BGSF yet? Yes. You're going to leave them behind?
0: I'm not because it goes back to I love working. I love leading a team. But I, and blown away with the money that is in it. It is wild.
1: It really is. I I don't think people believe that people can have houses and cars off of social media fame, but a lot of people do.
0: I'm literally about to go buy like a brand new, very nice car off of just TikTok money. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like a nice car, like a luxury car. And it's it's wild how fast it is to make that money. And a lot of my TikToks is, I talk about like beauty and skincare and all that. And I said, you know, in 2023, the beauty industry was going to be a $60 billion industry, $60 billion. And that excited me. I was like, I want a piece of the pie. I want, that's crazy money. And then Procter & Gamble reached out to me and that kind of like opened up some other doors when I was their canteen person. And it's just really cool to see how people see that value in you because people would rather listen to an influencer, somebody they feel like they know because they've connected with them over videos than a commercial, but it's, it's, it's mind blowing. And yeah, like I, I could definitely probably quit at this point. I won't for the record if anybody from BG is listening, but it's, it's cool.
1: It's yeah, wild. BG people are like listening. They're like, "Why is he saying that?" Like
0: they make jokes all the time. They're like, "Are you leaving us?" Like oh, you know. And I took PTO a couple of weeks ago to go on a brand trip, and they were like, "Oh, that's it. She's not coming back." You know. They that's always right. make jokes like that, but I think they know I'm 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 a worker.
1: The short notice PTO is always it strikes fear in the employer. I know. I know. What's going on?
0: The girl that never takes PTO is taking PTO
1: right. for that, another kid. You know.
0: Yeah, but it's cool. It's really, really cool.
1: In closing, do you want to shout out your username? What do you call it on TikTok?
0: It's just Dana Jill Flaherty. It it is cool because I was so weird at first about like my, because I can talk to strangers all day and it's nothing. But then I get to my like, you feel vulnerable, you know? Right. But when I went to NAA, there was people, I don't know, probably at least 20 people that were saying, oh my gosh, you're Dana from TikTok and wanting to take pictures from me. And they're like, I didn't know you were in this industry because people on my TikTok have no clue, like, really, what I do. They don't know that I have a corporate job that I work eight to five every day. You know, they know that I have a job, but they don't really know. And so it's really cool when I see people that I know comment, and I'm like, oh my god, hey, it it, it makes my day.
1: So then we can make the argument that you're actually bringing some people that didn't know about multifamily to multifamily.
0: Oh yeah, and actually, I have a video. Because you know, I started in this industry at nineteen. I was a part-time leasing consultant. I made ten dollars an hour, thirty-five dollars a lease. You know, I didn't go to college. I, I didn't necessarily have because everybody when they graduated with me were going to college. That was college, 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 college. You know, and this industry has done insane amount of things for my career, for my family. But it's not even that. You know, I have. The speaking ability and the wherewithal to speak on TikTok and stuff because of what this industry did, you know, because I took train the trainer seven years ago. And now I'm a keynote speaker in some associations, which is like a dream to me. And it's all because of multifamily and the career path is like, you know, I started on site, but now I'm obviously on the dark vendor side, but there's so much opportunity. And I see people say like, Oh my gosh, I need to get into the apartment business. And that also makes me happy because this is my favorite business. We are my favorite people, this, this group.
1: And you bring up a really good point. Some people know it, people that have known me the whole time, but most people don't know it. And that is, I've had a side hustle for 27 years now. I'm a relatively well-known wedding, corporate DJ, whatever. And I got that started in multifamily. I mean, I, Oh, oh, for sure. Speaking at dinner meetings, doing, you know, helping out. I think it was invocation at first. I didn't know what it was like to even be in front of 10 people or 20 people to publicly speak. So I got used to public speaking. And then, uh, then it sort of progressed into, I bought some equipment. I was a club DJ a long time before that, but I got some equipment and started doing pool parties for property managers who are my friends and, and multifamily. So yeah, I went from pool parties in the apartment industry where I knew people that would give me business to, I think I did a wedding of a regional manager in the industry. And that got me sort of a taste of what a wedding would be like. And then I started doing weddings. And so, yeah, the origination of this thing that I've done for all these years was multifamily. So I always encourage people in the apartment industry and multifamily, You know, if you have other things that you have interest in, other things that you're good at, could be web design, could be Mm -hmm. It could be anything, right? It could be social media. It could be, I mean, it could be event planning. It could be anything. Use the connections that you have, use the industry that you're in, branch out, practice at it, perfect it, see if it is something. I I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all.
0: No, it's such a platform. And it's funny because I've seen you DJ at a president of a company's wedding, you know, like that's, Yeah, that's crazy. It yeah. is. It is such a platform. And this is a people industry, period. And so it is so true when they say it's who you know, not what you know. This is such a space if you're in the multifamily industry to platform yourself into like your calling in life, your purpose in life. And that is one of the the coolest things about this, this industry because you, you come in, across so many different people, so many different walks of life. But yeah, that's a good
1: point. So let's close our time together. You have a pretty good idea of who the listeners are for the podcast. So speak to the working parent, speak some truth into them so that they can, you know, get through another day, another week of it.
0: Yeah. I get, I would really want people to know that you can do it all, but you're not going to be doing it all in a hundred percent capacity all the time, you know, and you have to have grace with yourself. That is the biggest thing that parenthood has taught me and especially working is I'm going to have to have grace with myself because I'm not going to feel guilty if my kid fell and I have to go pick him up because he has, you know, a, a gash in his head or something, but you need to learn to have grace with yourself because ultimately if you don't have grace with yourself, it's hard to extend it to your children and it's hard to extend it to your team. And I think that leaders and parents that function and operate out of that graciousness are some of the most powerful people out there. And so to practice, you know, to not feel guilty and to push that out of your head and just to do the things that you want to do and and not let your own concepts of what it should look like hold you back is the number one thing I'd, I'd say.
1: That is fantastic. Dana Flaherty, Regional Sales Manager, BGSF, also Rising Star for TikTok. And other social media platforms. Thank you very much for being on Morning Perks.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me, Bill. This is great. It's time for the percolator. It's time for the percolator. It's time for the percolator.
1: Thanks for tuning into this episode of Morning Perks. Our podcast airs every other Wednesday at 7 a.m. Keep up with all things GCAA by following our Facebook and Instagram pages. You can also refer to our website at greatercaa.org for more information regarding registering for upcoming events, sponsorships, and educational opportunities. Thanks for listening, and have a fantastic day.
0: It's time for the percolator. It's time for the percolator.